0: Uh, But while you're getting ready for the reading of this scripture verse, let me remind you what's happening on June 3rd. We're going to begin a series of the book of Revelation. And I've been getting ready for this. And you know, being with a group of preachers all week long, there was about, oh, I don't know, one day about 50 of us, we got in there and we talked about the Word of God and about the times we live in. And we're all so aware that prophetic events are galloping. And It seems that Jesus is near at the very door. And I don't think there's ever been a time when the book of Revelations was more relevant than right now. And if you've wondered about Bible prophecy, and you've wondered what in the world that book at the end of the Bible is talking about, it's going to be an eye-opener. It is going to blow you away. It is going to bless you. It is going to speak to you. And you know what? It's going to prepare you for the soon coming of Jesus Christ. And so don't miss June 3rd, Wednesday night. So, Pastor, why don't you do it on Sunday? Because God told me to do it on Wednesday night. How's that for a reason? So let's stand together. Keys to keeping your cutting edge. How many of you are struggling to keep that cutting edge on your spiritual life? How many of you know it's a struggle? All right, well, we're going to talk about the key. The key to keeping it. One of them is to seek the Lord. Now look at what he says, a great promise. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that what does He do now? Preach to me, church. He rewards those who diligently seek Him. You preach pretty good. Let's try that again. Talk to me. He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Well, if I can get a reward from God, I want to know how to do it. Amen? I'm I'm wide open for a reward. Well, we we can do it by seeking God. Father, I pray that you will open our eyes and open our spirits. I pray for this precious congregation of people. Lord, I pray that you will open our ears to understand and open our eyes to see. That the Word will build us up in the faith. That the Word will comfort us and strengthen us and be a light to our path. Lord, I pray that the Word will wing its way into our soul in a way that never leaves. In the name of Jesus. Now, will you breathe a prayer? Say, Lord, speak to me today. I receive your word. Amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, seek the Lord. You better seek the Lord. you know, learn how to seek the Lord. I've been talking about how to keep the sharp cutting edge on your spiritual life. The reason I'm talking about this is because your beliefs, your Christ, your God are increasingly under attack in our culture. You can't turn on the, the television, you can't watch the news without your faith, your values, your ethics, your beliefs, your Christ, your God being maligned, undermined, marginalized, or attacked. And it's happening on an ever increasing basis. And I have a concern as a pastor. I have a concern that some of those who have been on the periphery of the church, who have not really ever gotten into the Word of God, who have not gotten deep roots in the faith, are going to be knocked off the saddle and put down in the dirt if they do not know how to keep the cutting edge on their spiritual life in tough times. When I say cutting edge, what I mean is your discernment. the intensity of your first love for Jesus. I'm talking about a walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. I'm talking about bearing fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith. I'm talking about being an, an influential believer. I'm not talking about barely eking by, but I'm talking about flourishing. I'm talking about increasing in your faith rather than decreasing. Keeping the cutting edge, the cutting edge. You know what the cutting edge is. And you probably know when you're beginning to lose the cutting edge and your spiritual life is getting dulled. It gets dulled for several reasons. One of them is you quit seeking the Lord. Now, I shared with you last time that uh, it is more important how we respond to adversity than the adversity itself talked to you last time about the power of your response jesus taught response the bible teaches response to adversity now today i want to talk to you very very bluntly very clearly as clear as i know to make it how to seek the face of god what it means to seek the face of god staying sharp by seeking god now to some of you that might sound kind of strange how can you seek the face of god well when the bible talks about seeking god it is not addressing the lost. Those who are outside of Christ who don't have a personal relationship with Him. They're not seeking the faith, they need to be found. When the Bible talks about seeking God, it is almost always addressed to people who already know God, who already know the Lord. It is a term, a phrase for those who have already been walking with God, already been introduced to His love, already have tasted of the powers to come and of the good things of God. King David, the psalmist of Israel, had a deep yearning for God, though he already knew Him. Listen to this verse out of the Message Bible, Psalm 63, verse 1. Listen to David. God, you are my God. So he already knew Him. God, you are my God. Then he says, I can't get enough of you. I can't get enough of you. He goes on to say, I've worked up such hunger and thirst for God. You know, the more you know God, the more you want to know God. The more you spend time with God, the more time you want to spend with God. The more you experience His presence, the more of His presence you want to experience. So when it says, seek my face, when God encourages people to seek Him, and what an encouragement. I'm going to reward you if you seek God. He's talking to people who who know Him but need to know Him more. Who know Him but want to know Him better. Who have a deep hunger for the things of God. The phrase, seek God, is aimed at those who want to grow in their relationship with Him. Is that anybody here today? Amen. Or those who perhaps need guidance or direction. I tell people, if you need guidance or direction, seek God. God can guide you. God can lead you. He can direct you. Or you may need a breakthrough in your life. You may be up against a wall, backed into a corner, don't know where to turn. And what is the Word of God to you? I'm telling you, seek God. Seeking God has many times saved my life, shown me the way to go, given me a word in a dry season, has carried me through a valley, has, has navigated me across deep waters, seeking God. I want you to notice the premium, the Word of God places on seeking God. He rewards, He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Now I'm going to pluck two words out of that phrase, rewards and diligently. What does reward mean? What am I going to get from God? If if, if I seek God, what does it mean He's going to reward me? The word reward means a benefit obtained as a result of an action taken. A benefit obtained as a result of an action taken. The Bible says He daily loads us with benefits. Well, you know what? You've got to seek God to receive those benefits. Can I tell you, there's no such thing as kickback, lukewarm, mediocre, half-soaked Christianity. You're only going to get something out of it if you put something into it. And you've got to seek the face of God. Oh, there is such joy and power and glory in seeking the face of God. He wants us to seek Him, long for Him, yearn for Him, want to know Him more, want to spend time with Him. So, so God responds to those who seek Him by dispensing benefits. Then the word diligently. Diligently means simply sincerely. Those who sincerely seek God receive benefits from the hand of God. It means, diligently means to search out, to investigate to seek after something carefully. When Kathy and I were in Florida this week, I have some glasses, and I have this little screwdriver that tightens the screws on the glasses. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And man, I got home, and I could not find this screwdriver for the life of me. I said, Kathy, we didn't leave in the hotel room, I hope, because my glasses were doing this. So you know what I did? I diligently began to search for that little screwdriver I searched under every pillow, every mattress, every couch, every chair, every shelf, every suitcase. I diligently searched for it. I backtracked my movements. I thought back to every step I'd taken because I was diligently in search of that screwdriver. Listen, we are to seek God diligently. To know God, search out the wonders of His character. The glory of His grace. Come to know His ways. Hunger for Him. Thirst for Him. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. We're to seek to understand His ways. Yearn to be in His presence. Jump at the chance to learn more about Him every chance we get. Hungering, thirsting, yearning in hot pursuit of God. It doesn't say those who perfectly seek Him. It says those who simply Mean business, those who are sincere, those who really want to seek God. Now, let me talk to you more about what the Bible says about the power and the importance of seeking God. How many of you know it is important that we seek God, especially in times like these? We ought to be seeking God, getting up every day seeking God. And I'm going to tell you how to do it in just a moment. But let's see what the Bible says about seeking God. Did you know that God describes the wicked? as those who do not seek God. Psalms 10.4 says, The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. You can look out there at that culture. Chasing money, chasing lust, chasing things, chasing fame. And God is in none of their thoughts. They are not seeking God. In Paul's indictment of lost mankind, Listen to what he says about lost mankind. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. There's none seeking after God. No, not one. If the Spirit of God does not deal with you and convict you and woo you and romance you, you will not seek God. He's not in any of your thoughts. Jeremiah scanned the inward condition of the spiritual shepherds of his day. And here's what he noticed about the spiritual shepherds of his day, quote, for the shepherds have become dull hearted and have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they shall not prosper and all their flocks shall be scattered. Well, what came first, the chicken or the egg, the dull heart or not seeking God? I'm going to tell you what came first, not seeking God, because if you don't seek God, your heart's going to become dull. And that's why I'm talking to you today about keeping the sharp cutting edge, because if you seek God, your your spiritual life will remain sharp, discerning, fruitful, and powerful and influential. Here's a fact for you. The Word of God considers the life that does not seek God a wasted life. The life that doesn't seek God is a wasted life. I don't care if you make a billion dollars. I don't care if your name is known around the world. If you have not sought God and lived for God, your life has been wasted on you. What a shame to say to God, I gave the life, the energy, the talents, the abilities. I gave it all to me. Jesus talked about the rich man who was not rich toward God. And the the light he cast on his life was that his life was one of failure, though he was rich. When you die, you can't take any of that with you. I've never seen a U-Haul at a funeral. You take nothing with you, the diamonds, the gold, the houses, the cars, the money, the bank account, the 401k, zoop, it's gone. And you meet God naked the way you were born into this world. And what you've got to say is, well, Lord... Either I live for you and you're going to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Or Lord, I heard the word. I knew you were knocking on the door of my heart, but I pulled back and I lived for myself. What a shame that you didn't seek God. And it's never too late to start seeking God. You can be 80 years old and start seeking God and do better than some folk. It's never too late to start seeking God. As long as you've got a heartbeat, you can start seeking God. If you're laying in a hospital bed, you can start seeking God. Now, I've already mentioned it, but let me look again at this thing of He rewards those. He rewards those who seek Him, who seek Him. Now, what are some of the rewards? Well, 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, "...If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways, and seek my face, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land." Do you notice that the healing of a land is pivotal, hinging on the seeking of God's people of the face of God? So, incredibly, seeking God is a prelude to the healing of a nation. Now let me name a few more of the benefits of seeking God. Here's a few that I came up with just looking at the Word. Guidance, provision, spiritual growth, deep peace, strength in the time of trouble, A life that is influential for God, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and a spiritually fruitful life. And that's just the start for those who seek God. King Uzziah, the Bible says, greatly prospered because he sought the Lord. Listen to what it says about him. It says Uzziah sought God in the days of Zechariah, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. You know, God knows how to turn off the spigot. If you quit seeking God, God knows how to dry everything up and get your attention. God knows how to slap you sideways and get your attention. And I say that in the best sense of the word. I mean, you, you start riding on your money and riding on your blessing and you forget God. The same God that turned the spigot on can turn the spigot off and He will. And you wake up and say, man, where is the flow gone to? Well, here's the key. As long as you seek the Lord, God will bless you. And the blessing of God will chase you down and run you over. The blessing of God will follow you around. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever if you seek God. David found out that seeking God brought deliverance from fear. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. When was he delivered of all of his fears? When he sought the Lord. Now let me give you a point to ponder. Let me give you something to think about. Some people seek the hand of God, always want to see miracles. Others, the blessing of God, always want to be blessed. Some seek the provision of God. They're all about we for no more and give me, give me, give me God. Still others seek the favor of God. But here's David. David sought the face of God. And you know what that means? He just wanted to know Him better. He sought the face of God. He was known as a result of that as a man after God's own heart, seeking God. He was characterized, his life was characterized by seeking God. You want to be a man after God's own heart, a woman after God's own heart? You want to be blessed? You want to prosper in every sense, every good sense of the word? Seek the face of God. You won't be able to stop the blessing. You won't be able to hold the blessing back. The favor of God will rest on you. The peace of God will be yours if you seek the face of God. And then seeking God also, did you know this, brings rest from the enemy? The Bible says in 2 Chronicles fifteen fifteen, And all, reju- all of Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought the Lord with all their soul. And He, that is God, was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. Man, I'll tell you, some people you talk to them and all you ever hear is, boy, oh, the devil's really after me. Boy, oh, the devil's just giving me hell. Well, the devil's just making me miserable. Let me tell you something. You seek the face of God, and God will rebuke that boy. God will rebuke that boy. There's something about seeking the face of God that gets the presence of God all around you. You know, the closer you get to daddy, the more fearful the devil is to get close to you. The closer you get to daddy, he says, I'm not going to get too close to him. Because daddy will whop me upside the head if I get too close to his child. So I don't know about you, but I'm pulling in as tight as I can get. Because when I'm close to daddy, when I'm close to the campfire, the wolves stay in the shadows. Come on, everybody. Seeking God will establish the work of your hands. And that's talking about success. It says, now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the ways of his father. And his father was David. That's talking about his descendant was David. He sought the Lord of his father and walked in his commandments. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hands. Folks, I'm talking about the ultimate success formula. I'm talking about the real key to success. And this is better than a motivational seminar. This is better than Zig Ziglar. And I like Zig. But it's called seeking the face of God. See, God knows how to bless you like no one else knows how to bless you. And He does it when you seek the face of God. When you get up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm yearning for You. I'm longing for You. I want You. I want to know You better. I'm setting aside a little slice of time at the beginning of my day to listen to You and talk to You and learn about You. He brought David out of an obscure shepherd's field and made him king of a mighty nation, because David sought God. He brought Joseph out of prison and out of chains and made him second only to Pharaoh because he sought God. He brought Moses out of the backside of a dusty desert into the very courts of Pharaoh to deliver a nation from bondage because he sought God. He's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him. And you might be saying, but Pastor Jeff, God's invisible. He's out there somewhere. I can't see, touch, or converse with him. I don't see God's face. How do I seek God's face? He's invisible. What do you mean? How do I seek the Lord? Well, David being the man after God's own heart, here's how you do it. I'm going to give you a few keys from David's life. First of all, did you know that David testified that God personally commanded him to seek his face? Listen to what's said. David says in Psalms 27, verse 8, When you said, seek my face. Now here's David walking along. One day, who knows if it was morning, noon, or night. But all of a sudden, God talked to him. And what did God say to him? Three words. Seek my face. David says, when you said to me, seek my face, my heart rose up and said to you, your face, Lord, will I seek. Now, notice it began with a response. And we're all going to have a response uh, today to this word. You're going to walk out and shake my hand and say, well, that was a great word, Pastor, and forget about it when you're halfway to the parking lot. And I don't think that's going to happen to many of you. Or you're going to say, you know what, Lord, I I heard you today. Your face I will seek. Your face I will seek. So you've got to respond with your heart. And you know the moment you reach out to seek God, He promises to be there to help you. The minute you say, your face, Lord, I will seek. Just show me how, teach me, lead me, guide me. He's there. The Bible says in Isaiah 65 verse 24, before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. So be encouraged. You're not alone. God's going to woo you, draw you, empower you, encourage you, strengthen you, and make the way for you to to accelerate your seeking of him. Second thing, listen carefully. You're going to need to learn to use the connection points God has given us. Now, you say, what's a connection point? Here's what it is. A connection point is the practices that bring us into contact with the presence and knowledge of God. The practices that bring us into contact with the presence and knowledge of God that's a connection point David knew all about connection points he knew how to access the presence and the knowledge of God and I'm gonna share with you right now three connection points and when you walk out to the connection point to get this CD and give it to somebody after church because somebody needs to hear this When you see connection point from now on, just remember, God has given us tools. He has given us means to an end. He has given us connection points that when we access them and use them, we are brought into the presence and into the knowledge of God. It is the way we seek God. Now, the first one is the Word. You knew I was going to say that, didn't you? The Word. The Word of God was a connection point for the man after God's own heart. When David read the Word, it brought him into contact with the living God. This week, I'd been in Florida all week long, and I knew that coming back Thursday night, our plane was delayed. Naturally, we sat in the airport for hours, naturally. Sat there twiddling our thumbs and watching the rain fall and had to sit there. And you know I hate flying, so that made it worse for me. I knew that we were going to land late, and I'd get up early the next morning and go straight out to East Texas. I had to get into the Word two or three times for two or three different events. I felt tired. I didn't feel like doing it. I felt like staying home and watching the rain fall. But you know what? Then I opened up the Word. And I started reading. And, And, you know, I came into contact with God. Can I say that to you today? This book is not normal. There is no book like this on earth. This book is the inspired word of God. God breathed. It's theonoustos. That means it was breathed out of the nostrils of God. This is a God word. It's a life word. And when you open it, the word is a connection point. It's a connection point. You can't say to me, well, I just can't seem to find God. Oh, yeah, you can. Open up the Word of God, and the Word of God will jump out at you. It will speak to you. It will pick you up. It will dust you off. It will breathe fresh life and vision and hope and strength into your soul. It's a connection point. Everybody say with me, connection point. You're holding in your hand a divinely given tool to bring you into contact with God. Listen to David. This is my comfort and my consolation. While I was afflicted, that your word revived me and gave me life. David says, I, I was in an affliction. I was hurting. I was in pain. But when I got into the word of God, it breathed life into me. It revived me. It restored me. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than a honeycomb. Hey, the Word of God is a connection point. Listen to what Jesus said about the Word of God. Jesus said the Spirit of God alone can give life. Sheer muscle and willpower don't make anything happen. Every word I've spoken to you is a spirit word, and so it is life-giving. Well, I don't understand the word when I open it. Well, stay with it. Because inside of you, you've got the greatest teacher on earth, and it's the Holy Ghost. And you have no need that any man teach you. But the same spirit that you have received will teach you all things. Say, well, I'm not a good reader. Well, the one in you is a good reader. Well, I don't understand it. Well, the one inside of you does understand it. And he will illuminate your mind. I came to preach today. I'm telling you now. There's no reason to be half-soaked, mediocre, mediocre, dried up, walking around, woe is me, beat up by the devil? There's no reason. As a matter of fact, we better start shining because there's a darkness creeping across our land. And if anybody needs to be shining, it is the Christian. We better stand up, wake up, speak up, and let it go because God has called us to shine as lights in this world. You can't do it if you're whooped. You can't do it if you're beat up. And you can't do it if you're dull. So I'm going to preach you into sharpness. The second connection point is worship. Worship is a connection point that brings us into contact with His power and with the knowledge of God. Worship. I've gotten to where I worship all the time. I don't just worship in church. I sing going down the highway. I sing in rush hour traffic. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I never get in the flesh. I do. I get mad in rush hours. Sometimes I think things I shouldn't. But I'm learning to worship all the time. I'm learning that the best place to worship is the worst place. The best place to worship is the worst place. That if you're in rush hour traffic, you got honking behind you, honking in front of you, and crazy people on either side of you, best thing you can do is just worship God. I got into a traffic jam yesterday that was the worst traffic jam I've been in in maybe a decade, going down LBJ. It's pouring rain. I mean, it was a parking lot. I was an hour sitting on LBJ in Dallas coming back from the men's retreat. I got mad, and then I thought, you know what? I can get mad or I can get glad. I can sit here and fume or I can begin to worship God. So I began to sing. I sang about the blood. I sang about Him. I began to have a worship time in my car. And before long, it just didn't matter anymore because I plugged in to God. We've got to learn to worship God at all times. There is within you a river. It is a river of life. And Jesus said, He that believes in Me out of His innermost being is going to flow a river and it's going to spring up into everlasting life. But with some people, it doesn't get past here. It just, and it stops. That's because you don't know how to access the connection point. You've got to go to the Word and stir up the gift of God that's within you. You've got to worship God and let it flow. But as soon as you begin to worship God... Oh, I'm telling you, it releases something. David knew this and wrote the all-time best-selling book of worship in the whole history of the world called the Psalms. And listen to the advice he gave. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Notice three things. Gates, courts, gates, courts. There is a progress. There is a progression into the presence of God. It begins with the gates. The gates were at the beginning or the opening of the tabernacle of Moses or Solomon's temple. When you went to the tabernacle of Moses or Solomon's temple, you couldn't get in until you went through a gate. And when people were going to go into the temple, they had in mind the gate, the court, the inner court, the Holy of Holies. And there was a progression. David gives us a progression of worship. The tabernacle of Moses or Solomon's temple began with gates. And when you went through the gate, you found yourself in the outer court. So the gates were the doorways into the courts. You had to go through the gate. And David said, you don't get through the gate into the courts, leading to the inner courts, leading to the presence of God, grumbling, mumbling, moaning, complaining. You go through the gates with thanksgiving. In everything, give listen, if you want to have the Spirit of God in the car with you, Just start giving thanks. In everything, give thanks. Not for everything, but in everything. Lord, I just thank you. You're in charge of this traffic. He gave me a way around it. I finally got a way around it. And I shouted when I found the way around it. But but, but I praised him. I thanked him. I just began to thank him. When you thank God, you're thanking him for what he has done. Lord, I thank you that you saved me. If you have nothing else to thank him for, you can start right there. He saved me. I was in darkness, now I'm in the light. I was lost and now I'm found. If you can't think of anything else to thank him for, start with the moment you got saved. Say, Lord, thank you that I'm saved. Thank you that I'm born again. I enter his gates. I go through the gate with a thankful heart. And then I end up in the courts, the courts, the outer courts, where all the believers would come and meet. It was a gathering place, the outer courts. And what do you do in the outer courts? You enter his courts with praise. And and I'm going to talk about that more in a moment, but then you came to the holy place. In the holy place, the, the priests moved first through the gates, then through the courts to minister to the Lord, ultimately in the holy place. Now, can I give you some news about you today? You're a priest. Turn to your spouse and say, I didn't know that about you. Turn to the person next to you and say, I didn't know you were a priest. Say, come on, Pastor, I'm not a priest. I'm just eking to get by. I'm I'm struggling. You're a priest. Listen to what Peter tells us. You are a chosen generation. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. And what did priests do? They offered up sacrifices to God. You are a priest. You have been called to offer up sacrifices to God. And what sacrifice do you offer up? Worship. So we enter his gates with grateful hearts and everything give thanks. And as you say, I'm thankful, I thank you, Lord. You're going through the gate. And then you're in the court. And as we come into the courtyard, we're not yet ready to go into the Holy of Holies in that awesome kind of worship that can happen until we have first spent time in the courtyard. And what happens in the courtyard? We're told to praise God. Here's where we sing, here's where we clap. We have some people come in here and they look at us, they say, well, they were raising their hands and they were clapping and it got a little boisterous for me. I'm out of a church that's kind of God's frozen chosen. I'm in a church where you can ice skate to the seat. And I'm not used to all this movement. Well, let me tell you what this movement is. It is not something that is unbiblical. It's very biblical. I didn't mean to preach on worship, but I think I will for a minute. Now listen to me. We're called as priests to offer up sacrifices to God. And so as we offer up sacrifices to God in the courtyard, you clap, clap your hands, all you people. Well, there you go. Amen. And, 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 and it's, it's kind of boisterous because we're rejoicing in God. And that's what we did a little while ago. We rejoiced in the blood. We rejoiced in what he's done for us. If you can't rejoice in what he's done for you, maybe he had not done anything for you. I don't know about you. When he blesses me, I'm going to rejoice. Now, as you linger in the courts of praise and you're praising him and rejoicing in him, you feel a drawing to come closer to God. And that's when you begin to enter into a higher form of praise. We go into the inner courts, into the holy place in worship. And here we're not singing about what he has done, but we're singing about who he is. Thanksgiving through the door. Praise in the courtyard. Worship in the holy of holies. And you know what? F- it, worship becomes a faith trigger. You worship God, and that's a connection point. And you are ushered into His presence. And if you're going to seek the face of God, you need to learn to worship Him at all times, in all places, in all circumstances. Practice the presence of God. And I'm going to name one more. Can you all take one more? I am I had a lot to say today. I'm sorry it built up all week. And I I just got a lot to say. I didn't get to teach Wednesday night. Tim did a great job. Thank you, Tim. But the last connection point, and there's others, but here's a main one, prayer. David also found prayer to be a connection point. He said, as for me, listen to this, Psalm 1715, as for me, I will continue beholding your face, In righteousness, I'll be fully satisfied when I wake up to find myself beholding your form and having sweet communion with you. He's talking about the communion of prayer. He's saying that the experience of prayer was just like he was beholding God's face. When you said to me, seek my face, my heart said, your face I will seek. And he found it in the Word. He found it in worship. And he found it in prayer. Prayer is exhaling the Spirit of man and inhaling the Spirit of God. Edwin Keith. Prayer is a connection point by which we encounter God and are changed by Him. Sitting in my chair before church today, I was sitting there, Kathy's getting ready, and I was by myself, and I just began to pray. And all of a sudden, I just knew today was going to be a good Sunday. And the Holy Spirit began to talk to me and just minister to me. And I found him in prayer. So, folks, we have connection points. Connection points. And if you don't access them, it's your fault. Because they're there for every believer. Can we stand together? Now let me summarize this for you. I want you to say this with me, Could, could you? To seek God's face, let's try it again. To seek God's face is to seek to know Him and experience His power. We seek and find Him by utilizing the connection points of the Word, worship, and prayer. When we seek God, our spiritual lives are kept sharp and alive. Can we just thank God right now? Lord, we just thank You. Thank You, Lord, for the connection points that You've given to every believer. They're there for us, Lord. And right now, we just want to thank You, entering Your gates with thanksgiving and coming into those courts, with praise and moving into the Holy of Holies with worship. We worship you, Lord. Now, with every head bowed for just a moment. I just want to be sure of something. You know, people are looking for a church home. They're looking for a place to plant their life. The Bible says that those that are planted in the house of the Lord It's those that will flourish in the courts. You hear that? In the courts of our God. They will flourish in praise, and they will flourish in fruitfulness. And maybe you're searching for a church home. You're praying, God, plant us somewhere. With every head bowed for a moment, if you can say, Pastor Jeff, we are. We're kind of in between, and we're looking. We're asking God to direct us. Can I see your hand where you are right now? Can I see you just lift it up? Bless you.